Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. So Anita, you know how there's that amazing photo that's been going around of the G7 where they're all on stage and they look straight up like a boy band that's about to break into song. (laughs) And then on top of that, Biden's message throughout this whole trip to Europe has been America's back. Yep. I feel like we are only a couple degrees of separation from an alternate universe where Biden is on stage singing Backstreet's Back, but with the chorus changed to... America's back all right. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm Jeremy Siegel. This is Politico Dispatch. And today This first foreign trip for President Biden was so incredibly important because all these world leaders wanted to to get a sense of where the United States was coming from now. After four years of Donald Trump what was going to be the tone now? You know, is the United States going to be back into all these agreements? Um, you know, is it going to say that, look, we want to have these alliances, we want to get along with people? So they were lo- really looking for a way forward from Joe Biden. Anita Kumar breaks down what you need to know about Biden's first trip abroad so far and the new diplomatic dynamics emerging post-Trump. So I've been I've been on a lot of presidential foreign trips and this one has been really different for a couple different reasons. One, we're still in the middle of a pandemic and so for the White House press corps there have been restrictions like we've never seen before. Uh, ex- you know, all these covid tests and I got to tell you the covid test is pretty gross in England. Um <laughs> I can share more information on that if you would like. <laughs> we'll we'll stop it there. <laughs> <laughs> um And, you know, restrictions on who can see what is going on. So the access Hmm. to the leaders, including President Biden, has been very limited. And, of course, we know there are always some security issues because these are the most powerful leaders in the world, really. So we understand Mm -hmm. that. But this has been really something I've not seen in the nine years that I've been been covering the White House. Hmm. Uh, For President Biden, it's been, um, you know, he, he has to be pleased. I mean, there's no way he's leaving the United Kingdom without being really pleased. We've just wrapped up what has been an extraordinary collaborative and productive meeting in the G7. It was, I mean, sort of a love fest. Um, And, uh, you know, I I noticed there was a lot of coverage of my uh, individual comments made by uh, my colleagues about uh, um, how we were all getting along together. But the truth of the matter is we did. It was a, I felt, and it wasn't about me, but it was about America. I felt a genuine sense of enthusiasm that America was back at the table. Um, you know, he had an agenda. He didn't get everything he wanted. But what he did get was this enormous reception, this, this reception that we just didn't really know what this would look like. Mm. So the reason is, of course, because of Donald Trump, right? He's not Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. And these are some of America's biggest allies, people that would, uh, you know, normally in normal times be close to the president. But they did not get along with Donald Trump. The already fragile relations became even more strained Friday after Mr. Trump suggested that the group should invite Russia back to the table. 
four years after it pushed out Vladimir Putin for violating international law. And that wasn't all that angered the allies. They fought with Donald Trump. Donald Trump, you know, berated them on Twitter and he got out of agreements with them. And he, uh, you know, there's that famous picture of him three years ago at this exact summit in Canada where he's you know, has his arms folded. He's not going to do what the other people want. And all the leaders are around him trying to implore him to act. So, you know, part of the reason President Biden was received so well is just because he's not Donald Trump. Presidents throughout history usually have, you know, other foreign leaders who are sort of closer allies or like partners they tend to work with. I mean, even though Trump didn't really have those relationships, you know, there are definitely comparisons that could be drawn to Boris Johnson. Going back to Obama, there were all those bromance jokes about um, him and Trudeau. You know, being at these summits, following around the president, have you gotten any clear picture of like who his close diplomatic buddies are? Well, you know what, that you say that I've been really surprised that uh, the French President Macron and President Biden got along so well hmm. um, for a couple of reasons. One, they'd never met before, which is which is pretty interesting. Uh, you know, all the people that President Biden has met, he just the two of them had never met. The other thing is we saw them together and they had just this rapport. I mean, they walked, there's this video now of them sort of walking together almost arm in arm. They, you know, you know, put their arms around each other. <laughs> they walked, they talked, they had this animated conversation. And when reporters sort of shouted questions the next day uh, to President Biden, uh, asking him something about, you know, is America back and how does it feel? You know, he looked at the French president and he said, what, what do you think? Is America back? And Macron said, definitely. I mean, they have just been in lockstep these last few days. And the other reason it surprises me is because, you know, while President Trump was president these last four years and there was sort of this void vacuum out there of American leadership in certain issues. Remember, uh, you know, I say that because President Trump was more of an isolationist. He didn't want to be involved in all these negotiations. Mm -hmm. So while America pulled back, France sort of started to take some of the lead in, in different issues with Iran, with climate change, different things. And so there were a lot of people who said, look, the French are not going to want uh, President Biden to be you know, there and being forceful and being out front. But actually, it looks like they got along really well. That's interesting. Does it feel like America is back in the role of leader in a way? Or are, is there a new dynamic? Like, are there sort of changes that can't be undone? Yeah, I don't I don't think we know if America can be back the way it was before for a couple reasons. Four years have gone by and the world is different, right? So, you know, China and Russia, things have changed around the world. But also there's a real sense um, from foreign leaders, the European allies and, of course, Canada. So these U.S. allies that they don't know what it's going to be like in four years. So it's not that they're saying, look, we don't trust Joe Biden. It's that they're saying, look, we don't trust American politics hmm. because we don't know if Donald Trump will be back or someone like Donald Trump will be back. Yeah. And so there's not they don't they don't re think that America has the political stability anymore. And they're kind of worried about it. You mentioned that Biden got a lot of what he might have wanted out of this meeting between world leaders, between the G7. Um, 
What agreement exactly did we see come out of this summit? So what's interesting is that generally there's always what they call a communique, which is just a written agreement. Mm-hmm. And it's usually very lengthy. I think today's is, you know, they, it just came out. It's about 30, almost 30 pages. You know, in the past, they haven't even been able to have a communique because the United States under Donald Trump didn't agree. So it kind of blew up and they they mm-hmm. wouldn't have these agreements. So the agreement has all sorts of things in it. I would say one of the most important things, though, to look at when you're trying to determine what President Biden got and didn't get is that they agreed to basically scold China over human rights abuses. And they called for Hong Kong to keep a high degree of autonomy. And they are demanding a better, more thorough investigation of the origins of the coronavirus. So all of those things, you know, are a way to push back on China. And that's really what Joe Biden wanted. He wants to show that he's going to be tough on China, you Mm -hmm. know, the United States' biggest, you know, economic competitor. And so he really got a lot of those things that he wanted. As you know, uh, last time the G7 met, there was no mention of China. Um, But this time there is mention of China. The G7 explicitly agreed to call out human rights abuses in Xinjiang and in Hong Kong, explicitly. Two, to coordinate a common strategy to deal with China non-market policies that undermine competition. They've agreed, and that's underway now, how to do that. There was a lot of back and forth on this. You know, some of the countries... You know, they all seemed to agree that they wanted to do something, but some of the countries didn't want to be as forceful as others. So we weren't sure what this was going to look like. And it does look like, you know, it it may not have gotten as far as he wanted, but even the fact that China is in there mentioned four times and, and that they say these things is something. So coming up, starting today, it is the NATO summit following this G7 summit. What are you going to be watching for the next couple days and what should we expect and like how will it be different than these G7 meetings? Yeah, you know, the G7 is really about more about the economy. Mm -hmm. You know, they talked about covid, the economy, taxes. um, You know, they talked about China. I think now uh, moving into the NATO summit, it's going to be more about security and defense. So they'll talk about things like Afghanistan and, you know, the troops that are there. And of course, President Biden is pulling the troops home to the United States from there. Uh, You know, they'll talk about uh, cybersecurity and all these cyber attacks we've seen. And of course, the big elephant in the room is Russia. And so they're going to talk about sort of how to uh, combat Russia's aggression in Eastern Europe and in other places around the world. What do they want to do about Russia? So it's going to be more of about defense and security than about the economy. Anita Kumar, thanks so much for talking with me, and uh, I hope you have some slightly more pleasant coronavirus tests in uh, mainland Europe. (laughs) I hope so, too. We don't know yet, but I'll, uh, I'll be looking forward to seeing that. Also today, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is calling for former Attorneys General William Barr and Jeff Sessions to testify before Congress over reports that the Trump Justice Department seized data records of prominent Democrats on the House Intelligence Committee. Speaking to CNN on Sunday, Pelosi brushed off Barr's claim that he did not know about the record seizures targeting at least a dozen people, including Congressman Adam Schiff and Eric Swalwell, who were involved in investigation of then-President 
President Trump, saying, quote, we will have to have them come under oath to testify about that. A growing number of Democrats are currently joining the call for an investigation, including Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer and Judiciary Committee Chair Dick Durbin. And voting is underway in the election for mayor of the U.S.'s biggest city. Polling sites across New York began welcoming people for the first official day of voting on Saturday for an historic election with a wide array of Democratic choices and a kind of complicated new form of voting for the city. Residents are trying out ranked choice voting for the first time where they'll be able to pick up to five candidates for mayor in order of preference. The primary election officially takes place on June 22nd. Subscribe to Politico Dispatch wherever you get your shows, and also check out some of our other Politico podcasts, like the Playbook Daily Briefing, which has a new host, Raghu Manavalan, who will give you a quick rundown of the latest news for DC insiders every weekday morning. I'm Jeremy Siegel. Thanks for listening.